G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance-orientated, hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots, so get your application pack by emailing me at info at And remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. So for me, you know, the biggest reason, the, the biggest way that I was able to scale my business was by hiring the right leaders, right? The right COO, the right sales managers, the right people that can help me scale my company and organization. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Rafael Vaguez. Rafael is a young real estate entrepreneur, and at only 25, he is the founder, CEO of a multi-million dollar real estate company called Aced 
Equity Pros. His very first wholesale deal, he made a modest $30,000, and three years later, he has created a seven-figure business. His unique business model, Raphael and his team now work to close on multi-million dollar deals, uh, and the most competitive markets in the United States are on track to hit a whopping 10 million bucks in revenue in 2019. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show to share his incredible story and his insight. But enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Raphael. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Thank you, man. I feel so uh, welcomed. Thank you. That was a great <laughs> intro. Mate, my pleasure. Well, it's all about bringing the energy to the show and a little bit in the green room before we hit record here, um, just understanding where you're coming from. So where are you dialing in from today? I'm actually in Tampa, Florida, um, no longer in D.C., and uh, I'm actually 27 years old, so I think that was an outdated <laughs> So I apologize about that. I'm 27 That's- years old now. That's okay, man. We, you can be 25 in your mum's eyes, right? You just, you're always going to be a little boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but mate, I kick off uh, this show with every single guest. Rewind the clock. Tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. Uh, ever as a, as a kid? Yep. Yeah. Man, I think, you know, Pokemon was like a huge thing back in the day. And I used yep. to get all these Pokemon cards. And when I went to school, I used to sell these Pokemon cards. And uh, I'd try and get like the the highest quality one and maybe sell it for like 10 bucks, you know, Charizard or, uh, you know, I, I don't even remember all of them, but I know Charizard was a hot one. Um, and, and that's how I made my first first couple of bucks, man. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. I'm, I'm 33, but I, I was in that Pokemon era back in Australia where, yeah, I just was crazy for a period of time there. And people were like getting in fights over cards. It was nuts. It was sort yeah. of like the cool new baseball card of what the 2000s, I guess it was. Yep. So, um, but mate, uh, tell me, walk us through the journey. Yeah, you've, you're, you're obviously 27 years old. Um, in the introduction, I mentioned that you have grown this really incredible portfolio and business, seven figures in uh, $10 million, I should say, is a projected for 2019. But where did it all start? Like, how did you get involved in the entrepreneurial game? Because it's not just the average person who walks around going, I'm going to go start a $10 million company. How did, how did it go? You know, that, that's a great question. And just to clarify for my listeners, you know, I have a multiple different businesses. So collectively, my businesses together are going to be doing over $10 million in 2019. So not just one individual business, it's a collective business, my education business, my wholesale business, uh, my e-commerce business, a couple of different businesses that I have collectively are doing that in revenue. But, you know, how it all started was, you know, I was just, um, you know, I was 21 years, I was actually 20 years old. And, um, you know, I was just going through a lot of financial struggles, man. I was seeing a lot of uh, struggles with my family. Uh, my father wasn't around at the time, you know, and, um, you know, I kind of grew up uh, kind of hard headed. Uh, I got kicked out of high school for some uh, for some uh, illegal activities I was doing. And I went to an alternative school. I never went to college. So um, barely got my high school diploma. My high school had uh, seven uh, felons in the in the room with me. So it was a high school of seven people. I went from high school of, uh, you know, over a couple hundred kids to now a high school of seven people that were gang related and tattoos on their face. And so it went from, uh, you know, it went from this awesome childhood to immediately a pretty serious environment um, at the age of uh, 18, 19. Then I left that high school, never went to college. And I just started working dead end jobs. And I was working this dead end job, you know, making $13 an hour. And, um, you know, I was watching my mother work two jobs, try to go to college at, you know, at the age of, uh, I think she was 49 at that time, you know, try to go to college at nighttime. She was going days without sleep, like working two jobs, 
Days Without Sleep, trying to, you know, support me and my mentally disabled brother. My father wasn't around at that time. And so, you know, I was watching her just financially really put in the work and struggle and neglecting my mentally disabled brother while I was at work. My mother was working two jobs. And, uh, you know, I heard about this real estate thing that could potentially give my family financial freedom. And I said, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna go all the way in on this, you know, real estate wholesaling. I learned about it, it's flipping houses and contracts without cash or credit, right? So I didn't have any cash or credit at that time. So I was so intrigued by this concept of securing a property, right, from a motivated seller at 100,000 and then selling that contract to an investor before the day of closing and making, you know, 20 grand, selling it to him at 120. He's the one that's going to put up the money, close the asset and then, you know, renovate the property and sell it for 250, you know? So I was so intrigued by this. So I went all the way in. I quit my job. I told my mother, mom, I promise you, I'm going to retire you one day. I'm going to make millions and millions of dollars in real estate. One day I'm going to retire you. She didn't believe me. She said, you're crazy for quitting your job. Go back. I had a little bit of money saved up and uh, I had to sell all of my assets, my shoes, some suits I had. I had a music equipment because I used to be a music producer. Sold all of that equipment. I burned all the ships, every single ship that I had, I burned all of them. And so I was like, I don't care what anyone's going to say. My friends didn't believe in me. I tried to get jobs and they were the real estate jobs and they laughed me out of the office because I didn't have the sales skills and the communication skills. I wasn't refined. So I had to read three books a week. Uh, I had to study YouTube and sales, Tony Robbins, speech, uh, communication. I had ADHD. I mean, I was all messed up at that time. And so I just went through a life of disciplined self-education for the first you know, year in my real estate career. And it took me nine months to get my first deal. Um, but after diligent work, cold calling, a lot of struggle, a lot of my mother fighting with me to go get a job that we're, you know, hurting financially. Um, I finally got my first deal for 30 grand. You know, six years later, I've retired my mother 100%. I take care of my mentally disabled brother. You know, I get back to multiple charities in my area. I now help kids that are going through alternative school, you know, to get them out of that environment and into entrepreneurship. So, just seeing like that huge transition from broke, no life, no vision, no father figure, no mentors to now being able to retire my mother, make millions and millions and millions of dollars a year, buy commercial assets like I'm doing now. It's just incredible. And I give all glory to God because I wouldn't have been able to do this by myself. Wow. Wow. No, no, don't apologize. That is, that is an incredible uh, mountain of value you're 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 standing on, um, and and I really think you've really tapped into it. But such an interesting, um, you know, you, you probably a very similar story to a lot of teens with with no father figures, and and I don't want to touch too much on it. But you know, going through school and not 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 you know really being distracted, getting into trouble, you know, rebelling. Um, but having was there a moment where in that secondary school with the felons that you know, it sort of, it cracked, like you can't go on anymore. Like what, what age were you at that point where you saw your mom, no dad, your, your brother's mentally uh, disabled. Like, w was there an aha moment at all in that, in that journey? Yeah, that's, that's huge. <laughs> that's actually a really big one. I did a whole post about when that aha moment was, and I'll tell about it briefly, but the aha moment was pretty much when I almost got murdered. Um, you know, I went to I went to this school and it involved me with some really, uh, really, you know, rough people that were involved in gangs. And one day I went to this party and long story short, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, wrong party. I got jumped at that party really badly, broke my face with brass knuckles. I was going to get I ended up escaping that day. 
Um, and thinking that I was okay after escaping, you know, I had a cast on my face after getting my face fractured from brass knuckles. But, um, you know, little did I know that, you know, actually these people were still out to kill me. And uh, through a series of events, you know, from my house catching on fire and moving my family out, I was watching God protect me through this circumstance. While these people were out here trying to murder me, I used to take the public transportation every day. It took me two and a half hours to get to and from school. And, you know, I would get on the public transportation and then see these guys waiting for me at one of the bus stops having runoff. I carried an illegal weapon on me trying to protect myself. And I was going through crazy chaos for two months straight. I wasn't able to sleep. I, I was in constant jeopardy with my family, my brother, my mother and my brother. It's just constant jeopardy and and, and a lot of uh, anxiety. And I remember just praying to God, like, God, just, I, I want this to end. You know, I didn't really believe in God at the time, but I just wanted it to end. And I remember, you know, within the next week, I go to school and I was always asking my, my friends, like, hey, where's this guy going to be today? Is he going to try and get me on one of the buses? And I remember them coming to me and they're like, man, you, you haven't heard, you know, he walked out of the house the other day and uh, they shot him 15 times with the AK-47. He's, he's dead. And that was, that was the aha moment for me, right? That was the aha moment for me because I started asking myself the question, you know, why am I here breathing? You know, why was my life spared? I was supposed to die at that party. I got saved through this magic window, which I'm not even going to go into, but this magic window saved me at this party, you know, from getting murdered and stabbed to death. You know, uh, then this person that was out to kill me ends up getting murdered. My house caught on fire, which forced us to move out of our house. So when they came to visit my house, we weren't living there because the house was on fire through a series of accidents. Um, and then it just started me really thinking like, wow, like, why am I here breathing? And when I started asking myself that question, you know, I started getting some answers. Like God said, you're breathing because you have a purpose. And then the question was, well, what is my purpose? What is my vision? And then that's when I really started getting into entrepreneurship. So. Wow. Wow. That's, that's heavy, man. That's, that's really, really heavy. And something I guess you don't wish on anyone, but it's a it's your journey and it's something that you've come through the other side, you know, thankfully, right? And and you're you're able to to put a good foot forward and 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 really close the door on a chapter that seemed pretty chaotic for a period of time, that sort of sends chills down your spine. Um, obviously, getting involved in the wrong type of people is just not advised for anyone. But we're not here to talk a little bit about that. We're here to talk about you and and now the 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 struggles you've been through. So not not call, you know through the struggles, not college educated. You, you mentioned earlier on, which I think was really uh, important, was the self-disciplined uh, to, to, to be self-taught. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about that, that incident happened and then some of the steps? Like when did you start falling into real estate? Because you know th life happens and you've got to keep the food on the table and the roof over your head. So you know, when, when, between that incident happening and, and picking up your first real estate book or, or sales book, what, what was that sort of journey like? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I started asking that question, you know, what am I going to do? What is my vision? You know, I want to get into business. I need to help my mother out. And uh, when you start asking yourself the question, the universe starts giving you answers and it starts directing you on that path. And so for me, I was at, I was at this dead end job. I was asking myself, what am I going to do? I need to become financially successful. This guy walks in the office and he's like, hey, man, you know, I saw he was spending. Uh, I was working at a dental office and he was spending twenty thousand dollars on veneers. I said, holy, for me, 20,000 was a lot back then. So I was like, holy crap, you know, how can somebody spend 20,000 veneers? What do you do? He said, oh, I'm in real estate. And I remember going to him and I said, look, man, I will do whatever it takes. I need you to teach me this real estate thing. And he said, 
yeah, man, you know, give me $5,000 or $3,000. I forget how much it was, $3,000, and uh, I'll teach you everything. And it was my entire net worth. And I think what a lot of people do is they play on the fence and they're scared to invest in themselves. They're scared to play big. They're scared to make calculated risks. And, you know, and, and, and a lot of my success isn't because I'm the smartest guy, sharpest tool in the shed. It's not because I have the most education, the most money and family with a bunch of money. It's because I was able to take the biggest risks on myself and the biggest, I bet on myself consistently. So $3,000 was my entire net worth. I paid all of it to him and he ran. He took all of it and left me with nothing. And, but, but that was the moment that I'm so thankful that God allowed that to happen because if, if that didn't happen, God wanted to taught me about resourcefulness, right? How do I turn, you know, excuse my French, but how do I turn shit into sugar, right? You know, how do I turn nothing into something? How can I be resourceful with very little resources? And so I use YouTube. I use Google. I used to Google, how do I make a million dollars? How do I make a million in real estate? How do I do wholesaling? How do I get a contract? I got free contracts from Google, free assignment contracts from Google, right? I got free information from YouTube. And all this free information that I got allowed me to get my first deal nine months later which was my $30,000 deal. But a lot of people think they have to have it perfect. They have to have the contracts perfect. They have to have everything perfect before they jump into it. And the reality is you don't, you just need to jump right in. And I think that's what I'm really good at. You know, it's just jumping right in. No, I think you bring up a really good point, playing on the fence and then backing yourself, right? To, to, to get off the fence, because a lot of people, you're right. A lot of people don't you know, even when I first got started back in the day where you hear these gurus pitching you three, four, five, ten thousand bucks, you're like, oh gosh, like and and I know when in my story when I moved to the United States, I quit my job in Australia, I had nothing here, but I backed myself and I was all in. And if, and I think if you can't back yourself, then who the hell can you back, right? And 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 through your resilience, through all the the, the trials and tribulations you've gone through, I think it's really a, a good message to people that Yes, even you didn't have a brass or a zoo to your name or a nickel to your name, you're still able to go out and keep the wheels and the or, or, you know, the wheels turning in terms of the education, which is really important. You know, everything was for free on YouTube, uh, and, and it's you know eighty the eighty twenty rule. Like you know, uh, if it's eighty percent there, go out and execute. And, and I remember one bloke saying to me one time, "You're never gonna have all the traffic lights turn green for you at once. There's gonna be some red lights along the way." And so there's definitely been some red lights in your in your story but i think it's really important that you you did back yourself first and foremost and you were able to be resourceful to learn all the awesome resources that are available to people out there so anyone who's listening to this who is who is sitting on the bloody hell get it off the fence because if Raphael can do it with everything that he went through then then so can you so um so really awesome stuff mate talk me to a little bit about what you're doing to me make your you and your team unique in, in growing a business, right? Like we've talked about a little bit about the journey, the the passion, the why, the mission. You know, help your family to get out of you know danger. But now that you're in a business, it's sort of mindset would have been changing to how do you grow and scale, right? And you talked a little bit earlier about 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 your different ecosystems in your business, right? You wouldn't have figured that out from day one, you would have to eventually create that over time. So maybe talk a little bit about that journey from that first deal into creating this sort of multifaceted ecosystem of a business that's potentially going to, you know, give you 10 million bucks this year in revenue. Right. And and I think that, that's a great question because what's going to, what gets you to the first step does not get you to the next step. Right. Right. So for me, you know, the biggest reason, the, the biggest way that I was able to scale my business was by hiring 
the right leaders, right? The right COO, the right sales managers, the right people that can help me scale my company and organization. When I first started, you know, it took me my second year in real estate. I made over 300,000. My third year, I made over a million. And then I was capped after my third year, my fourth year, I did right around a million again. And I said, well, how do I scale past this? And you know, the next level was hiring the right leadership team. So now we have a sales leader that's, you know, that's uh, managed, you know, over 500 uh, salespeople and managed a call center that's scaled from, you know, five employees to 500 employees. So I'm, I'm now hiring people, you know, I hired a COO, did the same thing, right? Has process map um, background, has Six Sigma processing background as well to help manage our processes. So now it's just about hiring the right people and delegating the tasks to now scale your organization. So me as the CEO, me as the visionary, my whole goal is let's just add more markets. The more markets that we enter, the more deals that we can do. We're, look, we're securing anywhere from 40 to 50 deals on a monthly basis. And so now it's just about saying, hey, how can we get this to 500 deals on a monthly basis? And so, you know, it's just about now hiring the right people, the right management and doing more marketing for our business. You know, we flip contracts. We're in eight different metropolitan markets. And so we want to scale that to 50 different metropolitan markets in the next you know, year and a half. And so we're just aggressively expanding. And so I think the key to growth is expansion and hiring the right people. I'm interrupting this episode to remind you guys about the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. If you want to take your investing career to the next level and surround yourself with the best in the business, then apply today. Spots are filling up fast. I'm only taking a handful of people for the next round. So get your application by emailing me at info I-N-F-O at reedgoosens.com. Remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Now, back into the show. I love what you said there because that is true. Surrounding yourself with the right people. And you mentioned a little bit earlier that you aren't the smartest person in the room. You don't have to be, right? You just got to surround yourself with the right people. And I guess it goes back to that backing yourself a little bit because you wouldn't have had the business or the education knowledge to go, okay, I need to hire a CEO. I need to get out of my own way. And a lot of entrepreneurs, when they start and they start seeing a little bit of a success, they want to control everything, right? And so what what did it take for you to let go a little bit and, and give up some control in knowing that it was going to pr- propel the business forward? Yeah, I think, I think for every business owner, it's hard to let go of control. But when you hire specialized people that you know, and, and this is one thing that I'm really good at, is that I, I'm very good at knowing that I don't know everything. But, you know, I'm really good at knowing where to get the answers for things, right? I'm really good at hiring the right mentors. I'm really good at consulting and consulting with the people that know a lot more than me. So I've been able to just trust in their opinion. So, you know, the reason why I'm successful today is because a lot of times my mentors would say, hey, do it this way. And I just, I did it that way. Right. And I saw success and they say, hey, do it this way. I do it that way. And I saw success. And then soon you start creating your own ways and your own forms of, you know, your own methodology. Right. So you take what you've learned from what they've taught you and then you build and you build it upon your own. And so, you know, I'm just good at finding people that know a lot more than me and then just trusting in their opinion. You know, my guy that's um, that runs our sales floor, you know, um, you know, he's managed, uh, you know, 500 people and ran a $200 million sales organization. He knows a lot more about managing people and salespeople than I do and scaling the sales organization. So I'm just going to trust him. He's putting a lot of processes in place that make me uncomfortable, but I'm going to trust him that it will help us in the end result. And so, yeah. And have you, have you found any difficulties or or butting heads when 
you may not know those processes or you may not have the map in your mind to get you to, okay, I know I want to get here, but I don't necessarily know the processes to, uh, to, 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 to roll out in terms of marketing or in terms of the sales teams. So is there any sort of, um, I guess you, you just mentioned hesitation when someone brings you an idea and you're like, oh gosh, I, 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 because I just don't know, I'm a little bit hesitant of, do, of employ, deploying that sort of uh, technique or, or, or process. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's always hesitation. Um, there's always hesitation and uncomfortability in the unknown, uh, right? It's you know we we live in comfort zones, right? So there's always uncomfortability in the comfortable and the things that are consistent, the things that we've been we, we've been doing processes here in uh, for the last six years that haven't changed. And you know when he comes in and tries to shake up everything and change our entire process, it makes you uncomfortable, hundred percent. But again, it's just about trusting in the people that have been there and seen it on the other side. And I think, you know, again, you just hire people that you can trust that fit your core values and, you know, you'll be fine. You got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know what Love I mean? It. So, Love it. Love it. Yeah. Love it, man. <laughs> yeah. um, tell me, so let's walk into what your business is. What is the, you, you talk about education, obviously a lot of people get involved in real estate and then, you know, people come and approach them and say, hey, Raphael, I want to learn from you or whatever. But what is the core? You talk about sales. What are you What are you selling? What leads? You're flipping contracts. Maybe walk the listeners through exactly what your core business uh, model is. Yeah, that's a great question. So pretty much what we do is we find motivated sellers for single family assets and we market to them in eight different states. Um, so we send out direct mail. We send out, we have cold callers. We have online advertisements of homeowners that are saying, yeah, I want to sell my house. And we're offering to make them an offer on their home. So they call into the office. We get about 250 to 350 calls on a daily basis from homeowners in all these different states. They call into our headquarters here uh, in Tampa, Florida. And we have our sales guys take those calls with homeowners, evaluate their property, and then make offers to them in just seven minutes right over the phone. We make them an offer. So once we make them an offer, if that offer is accepted, we generally make, we're, we're investors, so we're not paying top market value, right? There has to be value add opportunity for us to be able to purchase their asset. So if the property is worth 200,000 once it's fully renovated and we're looking for assets that are, you know, um, you know, are messed up, they have some issues, deferred maintenance, you know, there's some uh, renovations that are needed. We might be securing it at 100,000 and it's worth 200,000 once it's fully renovated, right? So now once we secure that, if the homeowner agrees to our offer at 100,000, we then send them a DocuSign contract to purchase their property at 100,000. They sign it over the phone, we sign the agreement, and then we give it to our sales team. And our sales team takes that contract and then sells the contract to another investor, right, for 120,000. And then that investor is buying that property for 120,000, we make $20,000, walk away from the deal. The investor buys it for $120,000, renovates the property for $30,000, is all in for $150,000, and then sells it for two hundred. So we make the $20,000 and we walk away. We don't buy the asset. We don't close on it. No, no fees. I mean, that's the only thing. We make the $20,000 spread between what we have it secured with the seller for and the investor, and we walk away. And then we, we just do this, you know, 40, 50 times on a monthly basis. And so yep. we're just cranking out deals in all these different states. And so what, talk to me a little bit around the marketing techniques. So how are you getting the inflow of people wanting to sell? And how are you then getting the funnel to on-sell those contracts to those real estate investors in, you know, you said you cross eight different states. Like you have to be a huge database of information and, and data to, in order to execute both the incoming and the outgoing leads. 
Yeah, great, great question. Um, love the questions, by the way. So, you know, we have, you know, millions and millions of, uh, of, of, of records of homeowners in all these different states. So we buy lists from ListSource, Melissa Data, of homeowners in our target zip codes in these states. So in Tampa, there might be 10 zip codes in Tampa that we're targeting for single family assets that our investors love. And so we'll call them. We, we have a bunch of cold callers in the Philippines and in Mexico that cold call the entire demographic, all the homeowners in that area asking them, hey, do you want to get an offer? Do you want to sell your property? Do you want to get an offer? And if they say yes, they submit the lead over to our acquisition team or our sales team right here in our office. And then our office evaluates it and then makes the offer to the seller. Uh, we also do direct mail. So we direct mail all of those homeowners in all of those zip codes as well. So we do direct mail. Um, but then the last thing, uh, we do a lot of, you know, SMSing and ringless voicemails, online advertisements. So if somebody says, hey, I want to sell my home on Google, we'll pop up and they put their information in. So we're doing this all across the states and we evaluate these assets by using the multiple listing service. So we use the MLS to simply make offers and understand the evaluation and how much these properties are worth. So pretty simple. I mean, honestly, it's a really simple process. Yeah. It sounds simple. It's probably more the execution that's the hard part. But um, uh, my question is more around the God. I've just, just lost my train of thought because I was, it was really, it was really intrigued by the lead source. Yeah. So, so in and around, like, what, what's your sort of conversion rate? Would you get thirty or forty, you know, true deals a month across eight different states? How many just ballpark? How many are you going out to? You know, from the 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 the, the cold callers, um, you know, to try and generate those leads. There's a couple of thousand. No, so yeah, roughly for us, it's about 25 interested leads equals one contract. So one contract signed with the homeowner. So about 25 interested lead gets us one contract. Got it, got it. Okay, yeah. so you do the you do the rough math. You're doing about a thousand to get you to your 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 um your your twenty or twenty five a month. So Correct. it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of leads, a lot of cold calling, and, and a lot of systems set up. But once the sort of the 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 mouse trap is built, you can sort of sit back and work on some other stuff. Correct. Um, yeah. tell me a little bit. I've heard on the news, and I'm sure you're following it quite quite closely. Places like Redfin, um, you know, Zillow are doing very similar stuff to you guys. You know, making offers straight away. How are you competing? with that in today's world and are you doing anything more of a customer service based um, approach to you know for, for people to want to trust you and work with you rather than a big company a big behemoth like Zillow or Redfin yeah and I think there's always going to be two types of sellers right some sellers like working with big name brands flowers.com and then some sellers like working with the mom and pop flower shop down the uh, down the street and uh, there's a reason why right flowers.com might not have that personal touch that homeowners that want to deal with the uh, home, you know, the flower company down the street, you know, have with us. And so we really do treat homeowners with that personal touch. We have transaction coordinators to guide them through every step of the process. Once they sign the contract, we're very fair with our offers, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I think I think competing with Zillow, uh, we're not too concerned about them because at the moment, like OfferPad, for example, they're only buying properties that are built over 1990. And we're actually bu buying assets that are built only under 1985. And so uh, we're kind of in a two, we're in two different playing fields. Uh, right. Zillow, I'm not sure how their acquisition strategy is. It's going to be interesting. But, um, you know, so far, all the homeowners that we've spoken to, um, none of them have combated us saying, oh, well, Zillow offered me $10,000 more. You know, right. we've never heard that yet. So I'm interested to see once how aggressive Zillow is going to go into the market with their acquisitions. 
No, 100%. And I, I'm, I'm not in the business of, of what you do, but it is interesting to see these big companies try and do that sort of one-minute offers sort of thing, you know, because of the, all the data that they, they, they're crunching. And I guess you... So, so what are you doing on your end to keep up with the data? And, and I guess you're only in your eight cities, eight, eight, eight cities, eight MSAs. So is there, is, are you focused a lot on the, the data that you do collect and retain so in order to help you make better decisions in six months' time? Um, yes. Um, you know, you're, you're saying, explain that one more time. So, so like, so for example, you know, Zillow has a, a huge database of, 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 of what properties sell for and, you know, because they're just across the country, across the nation. And so I know even in myself, we underwrite a lot of multifamily deals. And so we're trying to put it into sort of an online system where even if I don't execute on that multifamily or, or whatever, I can still keep the data for future reference to, to call upon, to make sure I know that I'm not overpaying for the asset. So is there anything you're sort of doing that, out of your, you know, you got, you said one in 25 leads out of those other, the, the remaining 24 leads, are you keeping that data on hand to make sure that the, the next 25, you, you're using that data to, to, because that's what Zillow does to make the best decision for, to make you the most money? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, we have follow-up systems in place. So if we don't get the deal out of the one out of those 25, the other 24, we're consistently following up with them. And we just, you know, we have email drips and call uh, callers that are just consistently reminding them, hey, we have you considered our offer. Is it something that you've considered now as the market increased? Is it something that we can offer more now on because the market has increased? So yeah, we do the same thing. Awesome. Awesome. Mate, tell me a little bit about the five intense team training methods you're implementing your business to, you know, to help with the culture and, and how, how are they so effective? Well, five intense training. So I can tell you probably three right now that we implement. <laughs> uh, one, one is, um, you know, we have a, uh, a game that we play every week and everybody has cash. Okay. Everyone in our company, all our employees have cash. And every week we have a theme and that theme is, um, one of our core values. So it could be fellowship, loyalty, accountability, selflessness, hunger, one of those five core values. And so this week's theme might be uh, fellowship. And so each employee will have cash and they'll say, okay, uh, whoever embodies fellowship, or if you see another employee embody fellowship, you know, pay that person pay them some money. And so we have employees throwing money at each other, giving money and, and distributing money to each other when they see those core values being portrayed. And then the person the next week at our Monday morning meeting, we count all the money, whoever has the most money gets a trophy for fellowship, and then they get a uh, dedicated uh, parking spot in our office. So kind of a cool company thing that keeps the culture really awesomely engaged, keeps us really locked in on our core values and weeds out anybody that's not embodying our core values. I think another thing that we really do, fun is a huge culture, uh, awesome culture thing for us. I don't know if you can hear it, but you know, our, our office sounds like a club. It's blasting music. I mean, blasting music. We have earpieces so that homeowners can't hear anything that's going on. We have the AC down to probably 63 degrees. So it's freezing. Music is blasting. So all of our sales guys, you know, they're moving because it's so cold and they, they got to speak really loudly to homeowners because music is, you know, good vibe music is playing in the office. You know, we got 90s things happening today. I think there's like 50 cent blasting and then we have Michael Jackson and all this stuff. So it's just blasting music. So really fun theme, man, you know, really fun environment. I think the last thing that we do is um, we do something called real talk. It's like a TED talk. So we have one employee every week on Wednesday at 8.30 in the morning. They present uh, an idea worth spreading, right? Just like TED Talk, we call it Real Talk because you know, our brand is real, real step, real empire. Um, and so we call it Real Talk. And so one employee 
goes and spreads an idea worth spreading. One of the community, one of the, uh, the, the last one that we had was about, you know, energy and understanding uh, physiology with sales techniques and energy. The last person that prevented before, uh, presented before that was about multifamily syndication. The one before that was about, you know, um, you know, foster care. So just really cool stuff that we keep the culture going, you know, creating leaders. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Mate, yeah. we're going to start wrapping up the show, but we want to be respectful of your time here. But what does the future hold for you in the business and, and both both in the business and in personally? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, uh, and, 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 and I guess, and I guess when's enough, you know, <laughs> I don't think, uh, you know, when's enough is when my, uh, when my heart monitor is at a flat rate, you know, that's probably when, when enough is, you know, I'm, I'm never going to stop growing. You know, one of my mentors is over 70 years old. Uh, he owns about $5.7 billion worth of commercial real estate. And that's just his real estate portfolio, not including all the companies that he owns as well. And, uh, he's worth a couple billion and, uh, he's seven years old and he's, I mean, he's not, he's sleeping four hours a night pumped up every day. Like he's 26, you know, and he's like, dude, you know, when, when my, when God says it's my time to go, that's when I'll stop. You know, I'm not going to retire. There's no such thing as retirement for me. And so I think it's the same thing for me. If we're not growing, we're dying. And so there's never going to be enough for me. And it's not to say a greedy thing. I'm not greedy. It's just, I'm always ambitiously growing and getting to the next level. So for me, you know, my next goal in the next year is to own about $75 million worth of assets. Uh, we're aggressively pursuing self-storage and multifamily. We have a full-time commercial underwriter here and deal sourcer that's directly here in our office that's just underwriting and evaluating and acquiring assets. Um, you know, right now, I own about $10 million worth of commercial assets at the moment, and we're looking to aggressively grow that. So um, that's, a, that's a huge one for me. And then obviously my wholesale company, I want us to be at just in our wholesale company doing over eight figures in our uh, education company. Uh, that company in the next year is going to be doing over eight figures as well. So um, just super exciting stuff, you know, in the next year that we got going on, you know, I bought my dream car, which is awesome. A Lamborghini Aventador. I love cars. Um, you know, I've already retired my mother, helped my family. So now it's just about giving back more to the community. So I partnered with uh, Ray Lewis and Power 52 about how we can impact, you know, underprivileged kids in high school and uh, people that are just getting out of jail, things like that, to empower them to get into entrepreneurship and get them, uh, you know, longstanding careers as well. So that's kind of my next step, man. And wherever a lot, else God going has on. me. A lot going on, big fella. Yeah, man. <laughs> mate, wherever I'm excited. I'm excited me. to see how it, how, it, how it plays out. But mate, at the end of every show, I like to get my guests to dive into our top five investing tips. Ready to get into it? Sure. Mate, what is the daily habit that you practice to keep on track towards your goals? You know, daily habit is, um, one is definitely prayer, uh, really meditating in prayer on my vision, my goals. I write down my yearly goals every single week and I paste it right on my door. So right before I leave, I smack that, I review it just to remember right before I leave what my weekly, uh, what my yearly goals are to get, stay focused and aligned. Nice, nice. Who's been your biggest uh, influence in your career to date? Oh man, that is a hard one. You know, I'm going to be honest, you know, it's probably, it's probably going to be, um, you know, Ray Lewis, one of, you know, even though I didn't know Ray Lewis six years ago, uh, he's a big football star, you know, a superstar, a Super Bowl champion. But I used to watch every single one of his videos when I was struggling in my mother's basement. He really got me the mindset of discipline 
hard work. I went three days, four days with no food, no sleeping, because I was just dedicated to reading and improving myself. He was the definition of, uh, you know, he didn't have a father figure. His mother was abused consistently. And so he used to, he got into football so that he can get big and, uh, and, and, and fight off the attackers that were abusing his mother, bad relationships, etc. So he inspired me so much and gave me the mindset of success. And then who knew six and a half years later, I'd be partnered with him. You know, it was just incredible. So I think that he's one of my biggest influences. You know? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Mate, in your, in your, across all your ecosystems of businesses, what is the number one tool you use on a daily, uh, in the daily in your business? And it can, it can be both software or hardware. You choose, you know, some people on the show have an employee that's their number one tool, but other people might have a software. What, what's, what's yours? Yeah, mine is uh, the multiple listing service. You know, I think a lot of investors are trying to uh, analyze assets and use the use Zillow or Redfin. It's never going to be as accurate as the MLS. And so the MLS is just the fastest way to evaluate a single family asset immediately. Even for our commercial acquisitions on self-storage and multifamily, we use Yardi as a great tool to understand the, the comparables, uh, the rents, uh, the, you know, per capita square footage per capita in the area. So, you know, it, you have to use MLS tools like Yardi and the MLS in your local area to evaluate your real estate assets. 100%. No, I think that's, that's really, really incredible. Mate, in one sentence, so let's, let's, let's move. You're laying, you're 70 years old, you're 80 years old, you're, you're coming towards the end of your, your career and your grandkids come up to you and say, Raphael, What's the number one piece of advice? What would you give to them? Man, I would say, you know, the one sentence I would use is probably, you know, uh, understand the vision that God has given you for this planet. Understand the reason why you're breathing and you will live an amazingly fulfilled life. And that's my number one piece of advice because I had my own plans in life. And, um, and if I went down that path, it would have been, so much smaller than what God has for me right now. And so I would just say, whatever it is God has for you, follow that aggressively. That's awesome, it. Awesome, man. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Mate, last question. Where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. They want to just get to know you a little bit more. Where do they go? Yeah, I'm very active on Instagram. And uh, if you didn't notice, I had my cameraman shooting a bunch of shots here. So I'm very active on Instagram. I post a lot. I have a lot of story posts I'll at you. So follow me on Instagram at Real Raphael Vargas, R-E-A-L Raphael Vargas. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. You can also follow me on my website. If you go to realempire.com forward slash details, you'll see the details of my next event, the PL statements to prove of my validity in my real estate wholesaling business. You know, um, you'll see all the tools that you're going to get if you ever come to one of my events and you want to learn about real estate wholesaling. You know, I'd love to teach you. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to join us here on the show and really share your incredible background and the, the massive journey you've been through to get to where you are today. And you're also, you're also very, still very young. You're only in, in your 20s. So you still, still got a long career ahead of you, which is probably one of the most exciting things. But it took, I want to summarize some of the three things that I took away from today's show. And, and, and I talk a lot about it on the show, but you've, you've embodied it you know, 10, 10x. Play, stop playing on the fence. 
I think is the number one thing and, and learn to back yourself. I think those are the two biggest things. And then also um, hiring the right people around you to grow your business. So when you're getting started, you got to get off the fence. You got to learn to back yourself because if you can't back yourself, who the hell are you going to back? And then once you start getting a bit of traction, understanding that you may not necessarily be the smartest person in the, in the room and you need to surround yourself with smart people. So kudos to you, mate, and everything you've achieved. Did I leave anything out? Perfect. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, th- again, thank you so much for dropping by. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Raphael. Really incredible journey coming from his really tough upbringing all the way through to the successes that he's seen today in his mid-20s. And I'm sure he's going to go and keep crushing it in the future. Uh, if you do want to check out anything of Raphael, make sure you head over to the show notes. All the links from today's show will be up there. And I want to thank you again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're going to do it all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and remember, Remember, go give life a break.